How's everybody doing? Good. I'm just checking around because when you sat on the drums and David issues a comment out about who's got breath this morning in them, most of you, the first thing that was going through my mind was, who's the couple that haven't? But I've spotted you. Okay, well, welcome. It's good to see you. My name's Roger. I'm one of the leaders of the church here, as indeed David is. Um, It said the following, confession is good for the... You knew that one, didn't you? Okay, would you like to hear one of mine? I thought you would. That's just typical. You want to know all about my stuff, don't you? Well, what I'm going to share is a true uh, story. It's a current story because it occurred only the other week, shortly after I'd taken the funeral for Robin Atwater. And before I start, yes, I do have Judy's permission to share this with you. Funerals are emotional occasions at a a number of different levels for a variety of reasons. When you're the person that's conducting the service, that is a real privilege. It is also a massive opportunity. But there's obviously a responsibility to get it right. And usually, I have to say, quite a huge relief when it's over. It's very easy for your head to be occupied somewhat and you to feel somewhat zoned out afterwards as you wrestle with the aftermath of what's taken place. People's facial expressions that you capture in the service, people's grief, tears, hugs, emotional conversations still being at the forefront of your mind. And so it was with me last week when I made my way back to the car park at the crematorium. As I did so, others were beginning to congregate for what would have been the next uh, service. So I wanted to be quite sensitive and not rush off uh, to my car. So I was very gradually dawdling through the other people that were beginning to gather in the car park. And then all of a sudden came in the words in my direction, Hello, how are you doing, Derek? Now, At this point, for every single one here this morning, it would be perfectly obvious that the right response for anybody in their rational, normal uh, state of mind would have been to have said, I'm ever so sorry, but my name is not Derek. But I wasn't in that place, you understand, because I had other things going on uh, in my mind. So what came out was, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, How are you? And that was kind of okay uh, at that uh, level. But before I then dawned on what was happening, of course, they answered the question about how they were. And when they finished answering the question about how they were, and I kind of went to go, family okay? Well, yeah, I kind of up, up and down, as I was saying, thinking, well, how do I respond to this? Of course, what ended up after me saying about my family up and down... Yours? And they then went into this even longer explanation about members of their family that I'm thinking I should be knowing these members of their family. So I'm thinking the polite, courteous thing to do would have been to nod in the right kind of places. Suddenly then uh, he stopped and I thought, right, that's good. But before there was an opportunity for me to seize the moment, was the traffic okay for you? (laughs) 
Well, I then had something neutral to say, because on that given day, uh, my petrol gauge had been on orange. Now, you can imagine I was slightly nervous about that. I'd left the, the house about seven o'clock to get to the creme for ten to make sure I could get to a, a garage okay. Cut long story short, I had managed to get to a garage okay, filled up with petrol, so that was fine. But of course, because I mentioned about petrol, I'm then on the receiving end of this particular individual's view of the petrol crisis. And I think, and there's more and more people that are then beginning to gather for what was the next service. I realised I was then in a little bit too deep. And I then had a little bit of a panic that occurred because I thought they're all going to be making their way towards the service now. Firstly, did I naturally ought to now go with them? But alongside that thought, which seemed sensible, was what if Derek then suddenly turns up and it comes to light that I'm not Derek? So you can imagine all these things uh, kind of going round in my mind. The guy that had been talking with me quite intensely by now, obviously convinced that I was Derek, whoever Derek was, thankfully then turned to speak to somebody else. And I thought, this is my moment. So don't judge me, please. But rightly or wrongly, I thought, I need to get to my car. And all I can remember as I then got in my car, started the engine, and began to exit the car park, as I looked back, was this guy thinking, where's Derek going? He's not even been in the service. So that's my uh, confession. I have to say, it was a very surreal experience, very bizarre one. One minute I felt okay as I was walking across the car park with my own uh, thoughts. The next, I was feeling really quite uncomfortable. And the longer that I was where I was, becoming even more uncomfortable, even having changed my name uh, to Derek. And we've got a Derek here this morning who I said, Derek, when you hear your name, it's nothing to do with you, but apparently now there are two of us in the church. I wonder though if you can think of a time, probably not like that one, when you have felt very uncomfortable in a particular situation. I've shared about mine, but what about a sense of discomfort in the church? Maybe a time when you can think about walking into church the first time because there was stuff going on in your mind and you thought, I've got to get to a church. I was chatting with, uh, with Roger, who prayed for me just before the service. He was saying that somebody just turned up here uh, this, this week with a particular need and they came to church to ask that question. It may well be that you're one of our members here, you've been coming here for years, and yet the first time back after COVID, you were feeling very uncomfortable. I know a number of us have wrestled uh, with that, about the mask thing or the not mask thing, or, uh, or the handshake, and we go to shake someone's hands, and they greet us with an elbow, and then we think, oh, or you greet someone with an elbow, and they think, and it's very difficult when you feel that sense of being uncomfortable. Maybe you felt uncomfortable as you've looked around and you felt that other people look a lot closer to God than you feel. Or maybe you feel uncomfortable because you see the way that others 
praise God and yet feel unable to connect in the same way yourself with your maker. And then someone who is leading worships invites you to sing the next song and let's be open to God, open-handed, open-hearted, open-minded to our wonderful God. And you think, no, that is just not where I'm at right now. Because there's stuff that's going on, maybe in our lives. And as soon as we get that invitation about the one who deserves our praise, which he does, but we're just not maybe in that place on that day or because of the surrounding circumstances that are going on in our lives. And we think, no, I can't. I have too many questions. I feel in a minority. People don't get me or what I'm going through. We're thinking through today about praising God no matter what. Because whatever the stuff is that's going on around your life or mine, God has not changed. He's the same God that we declared and that we worshipped last week and the week before and the month before and the year before. And when this church was born, of course, we go um, back and back and back to the very beginning of time, really. We've got, as, uh, as you've seen maybe for our new series, Strictly. You may well be one of those peoples who watch or have heard about the Strictly Come Dancing. Well, this is a, a, our own take on that without the dancing attached, but getting it right on the night. Getting it right in terms of how can we praise God when there's all this other stuff going on? Is there a sense of our integrity at stake? Are we pretending if we're praising God but not really feeling it? Many of you, I'm sure, will know about the, uh, the program on Saturday nights on BBC TV. Some of you, I'm sure, are already very addicted for four weeks into the current series uh, of Strictly. And of course, they're each eagerly after their full week of practice wanting to put all of that theory into practice and get it right on the night, some more successful than others. For ourselves as the people of God, we've been thinking about the book of James, who's been speaking into us some very hard-hitting messages about how we ought to be and how we ought to live. David mentioned about us exploring some of the book of Proverbs over the next few weeks. We will be. That's kind of like the Old Testament equivalent, if you like, to the book of of James. We're going to be discovering, hopefully, some of the how-to. But before we look at some of the how-to, that is going to flow from your relationship with God and my relationship with God first, which is why we're taking a week out to think about that. And the praise of our God is key at the very start of that to everything else maybe flowing out right. Hence today, praise God no matter what. And then over the coming weeks, we're going to be exploring the book of Proverbs. How can we get it right? How can I be that person that God wants me to be or indeed expects me to be? How can we put the theory into practice? He is our rock. He is the unchanging one, yet he loves us too much to leave us unchanged or in that place where you may well feel today struggling to really let rip and praise God as he deserves. That's going to be where we're going. He longs to meet with us.
So without you feeling under pressure about being open-minded, open-hearted, open-mouthed, I'm going to invite us all to stand if we're able and to really raise the roof if we raise our hearts and voices to God now. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. After we've sung this song, Dorcas is then going to come and read to us and then we'll continue from there. Let's stand. Good morning, my name's Derek. I'm, no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not. Just checking, you're obviously aware of the story. So we're going to be thinking about that subject. Oh. Yes, I'd ask Dor- Dorcas if she would come and read and then forgot about it. Confession strike two this morning. Dorcas, after you, and I'll go and sit down somewhere. Good morning, everyone. My name is Dorcas, or you can call me Precious. I answer to both names. <laughs> uh, today's reading is Psalms 95. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depth of the earth, and the, mount- and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Amen. Thank you. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Thank you, Dorcas, for reading. I thought when you were introducing yourself as Dorcas, but you could call me, I thought you were going to say Derek, actually, so I'm I'm glad there's not suddenly three of us. So to continue our uh, theme about uh, praise, we're not uh, thinking of praise um, in the sense of Uh, the praise that we may well like to receive ourselves. Uh, I was praised last week by Lois, David's daughter, who'd enjoyed eating the blackberry and apple crumble uh, that I had made. I thought, that's really good that she's saying that. Thank you, Lois, for that. But that's not the sort of praise that we're thinking about. We're thinking about praise in the sense of our worship of God. So that's always positive then. No. It isn't, is it? We can say things without meaning them, maybe in a liturgical sense. Equally, we can sing things without meaning them. And it may well be that after we've sung a particular song, somebody may well say, wow, weren't the words of that song so incredible? And yet, if we were to be honest and somebody say, what was the words that we were singing? Some of us would have forgotten or not really registered about the words that we had been singing because our mind was elsewhere. Our heart wasn't necessarily in it. I can remember one of uh, our, our members saying, 
I don't think I'm going to come to the evening service anymore. It felt more like a funeral. And, um, and I felt a bit ouchy about that. But, you know, before we get too uh, defensive about that or judge that particular person, we can project our own views about what we think of a particular style of music or a service or, or anything else. And yet we get caught up with that same kind of stuff, don't we? And sometimes it's also a matter, though, of hearing how people are honestly feeling. What's the, what's the kernel of truth here that we may well be needing to explore? We've probably uh, known uh, times where uh, our own uh, times of praise here or elsewhere haven't been the best. For a whole variety of reasons, it may well have been that we've had a time where we've been affected by lower numbers, or it may well have been a time when we first came back but were having to sit what felt like 30 metres away from the next person. It may well have been that maybe the person or me who was leading, we just weren't on top of our game that day. It may well have been that we didn't know the songs or we didn't like the songs, or maybe our hearts were just not there. There's all sorts of reasons for things not working out positively. And yet we've probably each known times where we've sensed that praise and presence of God interwoven in such powerful measure that's not due to any musicians or gifted speaker or leader at all, but it's that indescribable thing of God just choosing to come and meet with his people in what seems an extra tangible way. We don't have to invite God to come to meet with us. He's already here and actually was here before you and I arrived. But we're aware sometimes of an extra sense of his presence, aren't we? And that is quite awesome when those times occur. Outside of that sense of a God factor, That which is down to ourselves is my response when we worship. When I make a choice to sing up, when I make a choice to focus up instead of on all the other things that are going on around me or in my life. And of course, that's not just in in singing. Our positive praise and worship could be expressions of adoration. It could be the playing of instruments. It could be shouting. There's been applause after one song this morning that was just spontaneous. Something of, hey, that, that was amazing. We felt good in God's presence and our response reflected that. It may well be you're sitting down or lying down or clapping, lifting hands, even dancing at times, although seldom at, at our church at least not yet yet. praise in this context of worship literally means to commend to applaud or to magnify for the christian praise to god is an expression of our worship it's a high calling recognizing that the lord is god and we are not it's humbling ourselves and centering our whole being and attention on the one who made us and who loves us and who gave himself for us through Jesus. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. A number of us know that well-known hymn. Praising God can bring us, help bring us into his presence. Psalm 23, we read there that God inhabits the praises of his people. 
That inhabits is a very powerful word. We understand that indwelling nature of that word, don't we? This means that praise is not only a reaction coming uh, from coming into his presence, but it's a vehicle of faith which brings us into his presence. Another chorus that we used to sing years ago was, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Brilliant. Based on Psalm 100. And so in doing so, we come into his presence. Jesus affirms something very similar when he said these words in Matthew chapter 18. Whenever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. It's usually a verse that is quoted most when Christians meet together that are disappointed that only a few has turned up to a meeting. And we want to feel good about the fact that Jesus is there. Just think about the next time you hear that. And, uh, and I've often smiled to my... But actually, it's true. It is indeed true. But when we gather and we praise, we are enabled to come into God's presence. Noise is good, but silence is also good. Reflective times are good too. Think about uh, that noise that was going on on Palm Sunday. And as a result of the noise and the the bigging uh, Jesus up, people asked, who is this? And the response to all that frenetic chaos and enthusiasm was, this is Jesus. That was the response of, of his followers. If we are asked about that sense of awe that people may well feel if they come into our own sense of praise, I hope our response is quick to say, well, this is all about Jesus. It's not because we got the latest technical gizmo or whatever, however important and helpful that is to help facilitate something. But bottom line is we don't need any of that, really, to praise our God and for him to come and inhabit the praises of his people. When we meet together, when do we sense God's presence most? It's when we're released in praise. I hope you give yourself permission to do that and don't feel constrained by whatever else is going on around you in your life or maybe by others around you. Worship ought not be a response to God when we feel him close, but rather we're able to feel him close as we have determined to praise him first for who he is. It's easy, isn't it? Sometimes, as I think David alluded to, when the sun is shining, then we feel okay about praising God. But when there's darker times, it's tougher. Determine anyway to praise God no matter what. If we feel nothing, don't feel discouraged about that. God is more interested in our level of faith response, our heart's desire, and the decisions that we make as an act of our will during those times. And the only person that's responsible for that in my life is me. And the only person that's responsible for that in your life is you. We sung yesterday a little chorus that we just burst forth as we met for Cafe Church. You may well know these words. I'm not going to burst into song again. Not yet. That may well come a bit later. We'll see. I want to worship the Lord with all of my heart. Give him my all, not just a part. 
Lift up my hands to the King of Kings and praise him in everything. What a statement of faith for whoever penned those few words. Psalm 92, Ian Blackie brought to us yesterday, where it says there, it is good to praise. It's not just something that we do at sporadic times in a service. It is that heartfelt response, and it is a decision as an act of the will that we are going to declare how great our God is, no matter what. Which leads us on to our next thing. Praising God must be genuine. Jesus spoke on many occasions about the hypocrisy of the the Pharisees, the religious leaders of uh, the day, whose worship was only an outward show and not from the heart. Matthew's gospel states they love to pray in public and to be seen by others. Luke's gospel states the religious leaders stood and declared how grateful they were to not be as bad as other people because they fast twice a week and they give a tenth of all they have to God. Jesus said, don't be like that. Adding, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will indeed be exalted. Chapter 18, verse 14. So I found myself asking myself this week the question, am I a genuine worshipper? It's not about turning up at 10.30 or 10.35 maybe for, uh, for some and then singing because other people are singing. Am I genuinely a worshipper of God? I don't want the same to be said of me as Jesus said in Matthew 15 where he said, These people honour me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules by men. We can get locked into the same trap if we're not careful. Every church can be. You do anything three times in a church and you create a tradition that that's the way it always needs to be. And when we think back about how worship groups evolved, they evolved as a reaction to the hymn sandwich. And what happens? We've replaced one liturgical thing with another. We know there's going to be a few worship songs. There'll be a reading, a prayer, a message. Then we'll respond in worship. We do exactly the same. Let's be open to God to continually freshen up the how we do what is an unchanging thing, which is that we worship God for who he is. How we do that doesn't really matter that much. It only matters to us because we've got our own preference. Be careful not to make a doctrine out of your own preference. You've heard me say that before, many of you. Our praise should be genuine, but it should also be enthusiastic. You know, the words on theos, in God, are where we get our word enthusiasm. Did you know that? It's nothing to do with any sense of style of music. I hope that we are so in God that when it comes to our own having the opportunity to release our praise to him, even if it's a song that we don't like, even if we can't work out the way the tune goes, even though we think it's going to be a slow one and then all of a sudden, Wei Liang, kick it in and it suddenly speeds up. Don't tut. Focus on you and God. You and God is a heart thing. 
Emotion and volume and expression in praise are all good, if genuine. Jesus said, though, true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. You can read that in John chapter 4. Think about when Paul and Silas were in prison. Their worship wasn't dependent on their circumstances. They were in prison. If our worship is dependent solely on our circumstances, then all we're going to do is worship God on a good day, but then not worship God on a bad day. How futile is that? Stephen and Peggy Herring will be known to many of you. Very special couple. They had a card on the inside of their front door that read these words, written in Stephen's handwriting. Even when bad things happen, God is still good. Now, I'm guessing, but I would guess because of tough times that came their way, Stephen wrote that out and stuck that on his door so that on their way out, they would then be able to continue to worship God from leaving the home. I trust that that's going to be what you've got in your mind and heart the moment you leave this building. Not that you came here this morning to worship, but rather that when we worship here together, we've been so encouraged, lifted up, challenged, that the moment we leave, that's when our worship of God continues We've just been helped on our way by that corporate sense of being able to do that uh, together and amongst uh, friends. Sometimes, though, it's tough if we're not in a very good place. And as someone mentioned in Cafe Church yesterday, which I thought was so helpful, our worship can often be a sacrifice to God because it's tough from that place that we're trying to seek to praise God when all we see around us is tough things that are occurring. And I know some of you are facing some tough stuff right now. Instead of those things preventing us from praising God, remember that old hymn that simply says, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you Lord has done. Four of you remember that hymn. Brilliant. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Maybe it's during tough days that we need to literally do that. So that then there's a right sense of balance on in our minds. Because if we're not careful, all we see is the doom and gloom that's going on around us. And I'm not meaning to belittle or trivialize any of your pain this morning. But I am wanting to encourage us that God is still the same as he was before, whenever that pain started. This engaging with God for who he is and what he's done can sometimes not just release us from self-pity, but from the effects of our tough situation uh, that have been so weighing us down. At a human level, that can seemingly make no sense, can't it? When you think about it, I'm depressed. Why would I want to be joyful? How can I pretend to be happy? But actually, that's not what we're being asked to do. We need to put our issues to one side and then give God that which is due to him. And we may well then be surprised with where our head ends up. Hopefully it's going to be like the psalmist who said frequently, I'm reading now from Psalm 103, Praise the Lord, O my soul, 
You would have read those words and even sung the hymn uh, countless times. But what does it mean? We know about the praise of the Lord, but oh my soul, that very core of who you are. May that be the very real part that despite whatever else is going on externally or affecting different parts of our body, heart, mind, but our soul, praise the Lord. Oh my soul. May that be where we're at. Humanly speaking, it may well seem to be in conflict with what we may well be feeling But we ought not limit ourselves to our own humanness. We're inviting the involvement of a supernatural God. Two things very briefly I want to also mention as we're looking at this subject. Firstly, praising God impacts our enemy. Something happens when God's people worship God as they ought to. The atmosphere changes and Satan hates it. When the children of Judah were outnumbered by hostile armies, King Jehoshaphat and the people of God sought God and he reassured them this this was going to be his battle. So in faith, they went out, led by those who were praising God first. What was the result? 2 Chronicles chapter 20 verse 22 says says these words when they began to sing and to praise the lord set ambushes against the enemy and they were smitten maybe you can remember a reaction as a teenager to you playing your music and mum, dad whoever came out with a response about turn that awful racket down it's just all the same boom 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 no tune and you can't hear the words used to drive me nuts when mum said that to me, but what goes around comes around. I can remember similar confusion at the very least when my own kids were going through their teens. And now, the music of today? Well, you can't hear the words, there's no tune, it's just boo, boo, boo. There is a reaction of, ah! You get the picture. There's some of that picture that I think when God's people praise his name for who he is as he deserves and as we ought to uplift his name then satan scatters he backs off he's on the back foot and there's something in the world that i don't fully get that appears to me to then free up god to have his way amongst his people yes we almost got an amen there we did get one okay a little bit contrived but we got there Grab hold of that picture about the other knock-on effect that's positive if we get our praising God right, no matter what. But finally, praising God must be a lifestyle. We ought to praise God when we meet together, but not exclusively so. And we've thought about this countless times over the years. Worship ought to continue when we leave this place regarding how we live our lives. Listen to Psalm 34, verse 1. The psalmist says, I will bless the Lord at all times. He doesn't say at a particular time or in a particular venue or for a particular length of time at all. At all times implies at all times. He continues, his praise shall be continually in my mouth. The New Testament picks up exactly the same theme in terms of lifestyle. Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks 
to God the Father through him. Praise as an expression of faith and a declaration of victory. It declares that we believe God is with us. He is for us and that we're going to place our confidence in him. He's in control of all our circumstances and we will trust in him no matter what. As I was preparing uh, for this, and I know tough times uh, are a plenty right now, uh, I received a video clip which we're going to play you in a, a few moments' time from Jonathan Brain's daughter. Jonathan uh, was one of the people who used to come here as a guest speaker. Uh, he's ran about my age, a fantastic passion for Jesus. Used to meet up with John once or twice a year just so that some of his passion for Jesus would rub off onto me. You couldn't be out for a walk without Jonathan suddenly said, what about that guy over there? What do you mean, what about that guy? He might not know Jesus. I'm thinking, oh, no. <laughs> Something was at the forefront always at Jonathan's mind. And then Jonathan's daughter, aged the same age as mine, got cancer and it looks as if it was going to be fatal. The good news is 306 days on, she has been uh, pronounced clear from that cancer. Now, I've never heard Millie uh, at all. So she's going to share her testimony, which Jonathan has sent uh, out. Before he does, one other song for you. Only briefly, but if you know the words, I want you to sing with me. I'm afraid you're going to have to fit in with whatever key I sing it in. And I cannot tell you what that key is going to be. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thanks, Roger. Thanks very much. Um, That was a great message all about praising God. Oh, I've just woken up. Oh, I'm really rubbish in the morning. I hate the morning. I every morning, especially in the winter, when I wake up and I'm all cosy in my bed, my alarm clock's blaring. And I just turn it off and go back, want to go back to sleep again. And sometimes, I, you know, getting out of bed is the hardest thing I do all day. I don't know about anyone else. Not a morning person. But I was told by somebody very wise a long, long time ago that a really good way to start the day, especially if you're not a morning person, is to thank God for the day. Thank, thank God already for the potential for the day and praise him. Praise him because... We know that the potential for all the wondrous things in his, in his creation and our friends and, our, and, and the stuff that's going to happen is, is there ahead of us. And starting the day like that is, is a really good way to start the day. So maybe that'll encourage you to, if you're not a morning person like me, start the day by praising God. <laughs> Hi, Jack. Hi. The other thing that we do in our house in terms of lifestyle and trying to make praise part of our lifestyle and gratitude, I suppose, as well, is we have this thing called good, bad, funny. And so at the end of every day, we all take it in turns in our house to say something good, something bad, and something funny. Uh, and we're going to give you an example now. Hi, Molly. So what was your, what have you got first? Let's hold up the I've first page. I've got my good. Your good. What was your good? So 
Today I got a lollipop at the end of the day from my teacher because she has this thing called Lollipop Friday every Friday. That is brilliant. And anything bad happen? Um, well, we had to get up really early to go for PCR tests, which was a bit annoying. Yeah, that's true. It was. Okay, and what's yeah, your funny? It was. And my funny was that my friend Phoebe accidentally wrote in pink pen in English instead of black. That's hilarious. Hi, Jack. So tell us about your good, bad, funny for the day. My good was that I got a raffle ticket from my teacher yesterday. Brilliant. That is good. And what was bad? And my bad was that I tripped over in the playground. Oh, no. And did you cut your knee? Yeah. Where is it? It's here. Oh, blimey. That is really cut. Oh, dear. Right. Funny? And my funny was that... um. When we were playing tag, um, I had a tactic that um, people pulled my coat and then my coat fell off. <laughs> was it a good game? Yeah. Excellent. So when we do Good, Bad, Funny, it's quite easy to praise God about the good stuff. So the, the kids, Molly and Jack, both had great things that happened at school and we praise God every day that our kids go to brilliant schools with amazing teachers who teach them just wonderful stuff in a really safe environment and and you know they, they have free access to education and that's amazing the bad stuff sometimes it's hard to praise god when bad stuff happens however both of the bad things that happened we can find some things to praise god about so molly was a bit sad because we had to go up early to go and have a pcr test but we were having that because we're going on holiday to malta in fact we're going to be in malta while you're watching this video um and so actually it was bad but praise god we are able to now go on holiday and have a really um lovely family holiday together which we're desperately looking forward to and Jack's knee, well, we can praise God because actually it wasn't too bad and he um, was able to go oh, to the office and get, <laughs> get looked after by lovely staff at the school and we've got free access to medical care in this country so if it was really bad, he'd be able to go to hospital. So praise God for our amazing NHS. And in terms of funny, well, funny's just a bit of a laugh, isn't it? We always have um, a, a laugh about the things that have happened during our day that have made us smile. And that's good as well. We can praise God that whatever's going on, however bad our day is, we can usually find something to laugh about. So it might help you just in terms of making praise part of your day-to-day -day activities. Have a go at Good, Bad, Funny. And we'll perhaps tell, you can tell us all about it when we meet up at our next Community Kids sesh. Love you lots. See you soon. Bye. Good morning, everybody. Um, let's just pray for William now. It wasn't part of my prayers, but let's just, just as a church, uh, pray, for, pray for William and, and the family. Dear Lord, thank you for Romy. It was lovely to see her face then. And we just lift up William to you and pray that you will make a way for him to get a place at Thomas Hardy School. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. amen. Thank you. Um, today, I believe that God wants us to pray for our church here. He wants us to pray for those watching online, for others who have watched online in the past, for those of you here, for our members and our leadership team, our various ministries, our children, and those who may have had connections with us in the past, but may have fallen away. Just want to remind ourselves of the familiar verse of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So let's pray.
Dear Father God, we pray to you through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for this church, for the freedom to worship you here, for all of your blessings to us, and for everyone either listening online or here in this building. Please help us to meet with you now and to know that you are God and you love us. Please be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Dear loving Father God, please meet each person here at their point of need. And we lift up those known to us who cause us concern, who are unwell, sad or troubled. In a few moments of silence, please lift up your own concerns to God and know that he does hear. We also lift up to you, dear Lord, Paul Greenin and his family. I think, I understand that Paul's in hospital at this time. So please be close to Thelma and his wife and Paul, Lord. We lift up Julie, June Richard and Wilma, Wei Lang and his family, Graham and Judith and little Daisy and her family. We pray for our leadership team for unity, protection and spiritual discernment. That you, dear Lord, would guide this church in all its decision making, that we may be one with you. And as we approach our church AGM, we ask for clear guidance from you as we plan the way ahead, that we may be a church that pleases you. We pray for unity between our members, that we may love one another and support each other and your church using the gifts that you have blessed us with. And as we begin to open up this building again for various ministries and outside groups, please always be present, Lord, watching over and blessing the folk who come through these doors. We pray for our children that you would keep each child close to you. And for our children's ministries, that you would bless, lead and encourage those who you have gifted to work with these young people. Dear Father, you know every person that has watched our services online or who will watch in the future. You know every person who has attended a service or ministry in this building or our old building at Ackland Road, and those who are yet to come. Father, we lift them all up to you now. For those who once knew you but have turned away, that you would call them back. For those who are still searching, that you would fill them with your truth. And for those who don't know you yet, that you would call them here and build this church up to be ready for whatever you may bring to us, for whoever you may bring to us. And lastly, Father, we ask that you would bless your church, your worldwide church, that is the body of Christ. Please lead, guide, strengthen and protect us that we may be your light in this world and bring all glory to your name. In the precious name of Jesus.
Amen. Thank you, Mandy. Thank you so much for joining us online. Thank you for coming here uh, today. If you've got any questions, queries, particularly around this area that we've been looking at, maybe tough times, and how on earth can we keep praising God? It is worth it. That's what he commands, and you're going to be blessed if you seek to do that. Let's close together now. God, you are my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down. All through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. Help us each to own these words, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.